Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. On this podcast, we're going to be doing a part two episode with Zach Booth. Zach Booth is somebody I interviewed for, as I'm recording this, about three episodes ago, where he went on a 40-day challenge. His goal is to make 40 grand in 40 days in a brand new market. And on the part one, we dove deep into a lot of kind of why he was doing it, but not necessarily the how maybe. And I wanted to do on part two, dive more into the details of kind of what he did, how he did it, the apps that he used, the software, the phone scripts, how he got them under contract, all those good juicy details, which I know you are interested in hearing as well. It's a cool story. Zach has been on my podcast a couple of times before. Really nice, humble guy who is really doing deals and crushing it in this business. And he's one of the good guys. So I'm glad to have him on the podcast. As I'm recording this right now, we're live on Facebook and YouTube. So hello, all of you all out in social media world. To my good friends who are listening to this in the audio podcast, I'm glad you guys are here. You've been listening to my podcast for over 10 years, which is amazing. I'm well over a thousand episodes now. Don't even know what my total download count is, but it's in the millions. Last I checked, it was like almost 6 million. So I'm really humbled and appreciative of you guys listening to this podcast. It does mean a lot to me and it leaves a lot. It means a lot to me when you leave reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now. Here's a crazy thing. I just read this morning that Spotify, it will soon be the number one podcast playing platform on the interwebs, replacing Apple Podcasts, which is just crazy. So I've never been a huge Spotify fan. Maybe I need to become a Spotify fan. I have nothing against Spotify. For those of you listening on Spotify, hi, how's it going? I'm, I, I don't think there is a way you can leave a review on Spotify. Is there, if there is, somebody let me know. All right. So those of you watching right now on Facebook and YouTube, please, this is the time to share, like this video, comment down below. Tell me where you're from. Say hi. And if you have any questions for Zach or any questions, Questions about driving for dollars or serious questions like, is this for real? Are you guys legit? Can prove it? Like, so we'll take any and all of your questions. So type them in the Facebook and the YouTube comments. And if we see them live here, we'll put them up on the screen and answer your questions. Okay. One more piece of announcement. This podcast is brought to you by partnerwithjoe.net. So it's my new program. I'm so excited about it. I created a new software that helps you create offers. It helps you create cash offers, lease option offers, and owner financing offers. And I'm giving away the cash offer system for free. And when you put in the numbers, it helps you come up with two different cash offers. You can pick which one. And then it puts it all together in this beautiful proposal that you can just send to a seller, email it to them, mail it to them, text it to them. And it's really awesome. And then if you're interested, there's a training video. You can go to partnerwithjoe.net to watch it. I'll teach you a little bit how to use it. And I give you an opportunity to sign up for a new class that I have uh, that teaches you how to get your first check in the fastest way possible. It's just seven bucks. But you can get the calculator for free going to go, if you go to partnerwithjoe.net. So check that out. I'm getting amazing feedback from it. People love it. And um, I'm excited about it. Okay, one more thing I just thought of too. On Wednesdays, so starting tomorrow as I'm recording this, I'm doing a brand new podcast series called Creative Financing Lab with Pace Morby and Matt Terrio, which is a lot of fun. So we're rolling right along, but it's going to be a weekly podcast series where we just get together and talk about creative financing deals. Pace is a legend. Matt Terrio is a legend. And so we get to come together once a week on a live podcast. And we're going to be answering your questions, talking about deals, all things creative financing. 
financing. Subject twos, lease options, all that good yummy stuff. So join us live on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Central, I believe. Wednesdays, 9 a.m. Central. Let me just get in here. No, no, no. 10 a.m. Central. So 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Okay. We're going to be live and uh, we want I want to get it to over a thousand people watching live at once. So we'll figure that out how to do that. But we release those again as an audio podcast later on, on all of our channels. Pace and Matt, they're just super cool dudes. I, I love hanging out with them, talking about this business with them. And so we, uh, you're invited to listen in. They're going to be a lot of fun. Okay, good. You ready to bring Zach on? Enough of the uh, chit chat, Joe. Let's get right into the podcast. Let me see if I can find my mouse. There it is. And Zach, how are you? Zach Booth, ladies and gentlemen. Doing great. Thanks for having me, Joe. Good to be back. Glad you're here, man. You're going to Alaska in a few weeks. I think you were just telling me a minute ago. Yeah. Yeah. Just booked plane tickets to Alaska. And um, Friday, I'm actually going to Tulum, Mexico as well. So a lot of play. That's awesome. (laughs) I love Alaska. Yeah. I love Alaska. It's so cool. there. All right. So on the last podcast, Zach, we talked about your trip to Florida Mm -hmm. and you were supposed to be there for 40 days. It turned out to just be 28 days. You Mm -hmm. had to leave early because your wife's family had a little emergency in Brazil. Yep. And she was there with her, with your kids. Yep. And visiting her family, right, mm-hmm. in Brazil. Yep. And it was not easy. It was hard. You know, it was hard. It was a lot of work, but it was just the emotionally hard part of being gone from your family. So you're there in Tampa in your new market. You're from you're from Utah. You're in Tampa doing this challenge. You're driving for dollars and you still had tremendous success. What are the latest numbers have you closed any deals yet? I, th- I think you're working on a couple. You have a couple more coming. What where are the what are the kind of final numbers now? And how long were you actually there in Tampa? Yeah, so I ended up being there about 27 days. I flew out day 28, but about afternoon of day 27 is when I got the you know information that that uh, my family all had COVID. My father-in-law was going to be hospitalized, and um, you know families first always. And so I had to go get a COVID test to fly to Brazil. I had my passports for emergency situations if I did need to go down to my family. So just called it called it early and called my cell phone company to make sure I can make calls while I was in Brazil just to do my follow-ups, which I actually ended up getting two contracts while I was in Brazil just for my follow-ups, just for people <laughs> really? I had talked to. Oh, the power of follow-ups. Yep. So, and, and I'm sure there's more to come too from what I did. You know, there's still stuff in my follow-up, but we, the, the grand total is we got seven total purchase contracts. Nice. Between the two when I was in Brazil. So within the 40 days, I got seven contracts. Seven two contracts. of those contracts. So was a, do we want to break down like yeah. each deal, how much I made. Okay. So let's start with the ones that didn't work out, right? Because in this business, sometimes it doesn't work out. So let's talk about those. So I got two of those that didn't work out. The first one was a completely vacant house, had people living in it in like a year and a half, didn't need a ton of work and put it under contract. I knew I was a little bit high, but I, I thought I could pull probably 10 grand, which I did. I got a, I got a purchase offer for 10,000 from a larger investment company. So I was going to make $10,000 on the assignment. But once we were going through and doing the inspections, there was some mold that was found and some other things that happened. Ended up to where I, I just couldn't make any money assigning the contract. I tried to renegotiate with the sellers. They wouldn't have it. So I had to cancel that agreement. So that was kind of a bummer. The other contract that didn't work out, I'm pretty confident I could have made anywhere between 20 and 40 grand assigning it. I was good on price, condition, everything was there. But... Uh, when we did the title work, there was a judgment against the owner of the house for $70,000. And that judgment wiped out all of the profits for her and all the profits to me. And it just was upside down. They're probably a year, they're over a year now in default on the mortgage as well. 
So it, that deal will probably end up in foreclosure, which is so terribly sad because she only owes, I think she owes like 130 on the mortgage. But with all the not paying the mortgage in a year, all the attorney fees, all the backed interest payments, pre-foreclosure expenses, of course, and then and then also the judgment, she's just upside down at this point. So, which is just too too bad. I feel bad for her. But, you know, a lot of people actually, it kind of brings me to the point, a lot of people think that we only do deals with people that are down on their luck and are really behind on their payments. And like, I hate those deals. They're the worst deals ever. There's always judgments. There's always liens. They're, they're the hardest ones. My favorite is extremely wealthy, extremely well-off people people that just don't want to deal with them, right? They know they're giving away to discount. A lot of them have done more real estate deals than me. Those are my favorite leads, right? So anyway, so those were those two deals. And then day four of the challenge, my favorite day of the challenge, if you guys want to watch just one episode, day four, I got three purchase contracts. So all three of those are working out. Um, and that was, I actually had him on my podcast. I interviewed him and his wife the other day to have him on the podcast. Really? Yeah, they're very, very wealthy people. He was talking about lease options and taking over mortgages. And he had been in the business for, for years, decades, right? And he knew he's probably done more deals than me. And I love those two. They were super fun. His name's Jerry. And anyways, he, he's fantastic. But those two of his properties, they're worth about 100. The two that I kept for myself, they're worth probably about 110 to $100,000. I got them for 61000 including closing costs. Currently got tenants in them with lease options. So meaning they're paying me rent with an option to buy. They're paying me about $800 a month in rent. And the option to buy is at 110. So I've got them with a mortgage broker. They're trying to repair their credit and plan on purchasing them. So those aren't wholesale fees. I don't necessarily think I can count that towards the 40 grand. I mean, that's $100,000 worth of of money, long-term money that I have there or more. But then one of the properties that he had that he sold to me, we're going to assign it. We have a buyer lined up for 15,000. We're supposed to close this week or next week. We had to get the tenants out. That was a requirement by the, the buyer as it had some bad tenants. We had to go through the eviction process. That's finalized finally. So we just got to close on it. So it should close this week, if not next week. So there's 15 grand. And then, so that's five of the, of the seven. Um, the other two, one of them is closed. One of them, the one I actually got in Brazil is already closed. That one from follow-up, this is my biggest deal, which is funny. Uh, we made $53,000 oh, on that one deal, straight yeah. assignment. So that was kind of fun, right? Follow-up in Brazil, $53,000 already. I mean, just that one deal, we hit the goal, which I was hopeful. I was hopeful we could get one big, you know, one banger, you know, to, to knock out the entire goal and everything else would just be, would be extra frosting, right? So we got that deal. And then the other one that I got was an inherited property and you know, he was an educated guy. He understood construction costs. He understood that he could flip it. He had a flipper friend, but he, you know, I offered the option of, Hey, we'll, we'll pay for the probate. And if we can't close on it at this price, it'll, you know, I'll, I'll be at a loss. It'll be your property. It's my non-refundable earnest money to pay for the probate and help you out. So that's what we did. We had to go through the probate process, which takes a couple months, right? So that has finally been finalized. The probate's been finalized. We found a buyer this week, actually, and we're going to make 30 grand on that one flat. This week. So this, yeah, we're going to close either this week or next week. I know we have to close fast. So I'm pretty sure it's going to close this week. And today's only Tuesday. So by Friday, it was supposed to close is what our closing date was with our new buyer. So that's awesome. Yeah. So in just straight assignments, you know, they're not all closed. One of them is closed for 53. The other two is another 45,000. So 
$95,000 in assignments. And then I have two rentals that will make me about 100,000. So total revenue, if you count all of it, it's going to be close to or over $200,000 in my pocket when it's all said and done. I love it. You know, so. people got to understand this too. When you start getting into this business, it's not like you're going to get a check immediately in a week or two weeks or a month or two months. It's like, People expect that and I get it, but it's not like you go to get a job and you start working and two or three weeks later, you get a paycheck. You know, I heard one guy um, talk about it. You need to dig your well before you're thirsty, right? So when did you start this whole, when did you go down to Florida, Zach? I went down like the first part of January. All right. So this is middle of April right now. Mm -hmm. So you went down there four and a half months ago and you're just starting to really see the fruits of this stuff. That $53,000 deal, when did that close? That one closed, I want to say roughly 30 days. I don't have the exact date, but it was roughly 30 days ago, but it was after the 40 days was up, right? right. From the, the 40 day challenge. Yeah. So, and if you would have been able to stay there and focus on it, you might've closed some others faster. You might've gotten some new ones that you could close faster. Yeah. But um, pe people need to realize that when you're doing this as a, as a business, you've got to give yourself some runway, right? You've got to give yourself three to six months. Yes, 100%. Before you can start expecting to see the money coming in. Because, you know, it's going to take you a month or two months of marketing and following up to get a deal under contract. And then it's going to take another 30 days to close that. So that's all right there, two months, right? Mm -hmm. And most of your, if most of your deals come from the follow-up, it's just something you got to understand. You know, I, I heard one guy explaining to me, this is one of my coaches at the very, very earliest part. He's like, Joe, when you drive by a used car lot, there's only one car on the lot. Are you going to stop and look at that car? Probably not. If you drive by, and it's not very well lit, but if you drive by that parking lot and now it's well lit and there's lots of cars there, you know, you're more likely to stop in. So my point is this, when you're selling your deals, if you don't have a lot of deals to sell, you're not going to get a lot of buyers. You're not going to get much interest in your mm -hmm. deals because you're just kind of that used car lot with one car. Don't get discouraged though. Keep on marketing, be consistent with your marketing, be consistent with your follow-up and you will get more and more deals. And then the, it's just, it's all momentum, isn't it? That momentum yep. really starts to grow. Yep. You know, and that's something that I noticed when I was in my new market, you know, here in Utah, people in the wholesaling space or flipping space, you know, the RIA groups, they know who I am for the most part. You know, I have people that are like, I don't even know how they get my cell phone number or my email. And they're like, can I, can I get on your cash buyers list? Hey, do you got any deals in this, in this area? And it's like, how do like, I'm like outside the scenes. I don't do dispositions. I don't do acquisition manager. You know, I don't do any of that part of the business here in Utah anymore. And I'm still getting interest, right? People reaching out out to me. But in Florida, I couldn't get anybody to take my calls. I couldn't get anybody to call me back. Like, <laughs> you know, I was a nobody. I was just like another new wholesaler. Yeah, and so, interesting. Yeah. It, it's funny how that works. And, you know, give my company a couple months down there in Tampa already. You know, we're, we've ramped up the marketing. I put an acquisition manager in place. I mean, I, I opened a new market. I might as well, right? I built a cash buyers list. I put a title company in place. I got purchase contracts, attorneys, all of the foundational pieces to have a company there. And so now we're, we're doing deals down there. I think we got, um, I think so far just this month, halfway through the month, I think we got two contracts down there this month. Love it. By the way, Tyler Scott, what's up? How are you? Miley, I believe here, is also in Tampa. Cool. Awesome. I hope I got the name right there. Wow, good job. Uh, Scott's in the house. Scott, how you doing, man? And uh, so a question from uh, Giesel, I believe. We, when you say we, how big is Zach's team? Better question. How is your team structured, Zach? Yeah. So when I went to to Florida to do the 40-day challenge, it was just me, 
right? And I wanted to show that you don't have to have a giant team to get started and make an absolute fortune quickly, you know, and to get enough operating expenses to hire some people to help with some of the basic stuff, right? But, you know, so far, uh, when I say me, we as our team, so far between Utah and Florida, so far for the year, the first quarter of the year, we did about dead even $400,000 in revenue. And so it's it's quite a bit of income. And most 99% of that, 100% of that actually is from assignment fees, right? I picked up four rentals as well on top of that. And so I've cherry picked them out of my pipeline. So I didn't get assignments on those. So I've assigned and made 400,000. And so you think, okay, well, how large of a team do you have to have that, you know, to do that? I have here in Utah, I have my main acquisition manager. His name's Hayden. He's a fantastic guy. And Miguel. And Miguel does all of my marketing, all my systems. He does my driving for me here in Utah. And currently I only have one cold caller. Sometimes we have anywhere between we normally try and keep between two to three cold callers is all. And that's my team in Utah. Like, that's it. And then in Florida, I now have an acquisition manager and a driver. That's it. That's the size of my team. We haven't quite ramped up Florida to the size that we can. I fully expect to be doing about a million a year in Utah and about a million and a half in Florida with that size of team. Very cool. I want to ask you more specifically what your acquisition managers do, but I love the comments we're getting here. Robbie's enjoying this live. Giselle, I hope I got your name right. There you go. We've got uh, Robert from the Gulf Coast here. And I love this, Jason from Paris, Texas. I'm sure they say it Paris, right? Not Paris, but they say Paris in Texas. <laughs> I wouldn't have known that. Yeah, who knows? But uh, I'd be curious to know how you guys pronounce it, Jason, in Texas. All right. Uh, talk about your acquisition manager. And we got some other questions that are coming in. Keep them coming. We're gonna, I'm going to ask them to Zach as we progress through this podcast here. Your acquisitions manager in Utah, what does he do? Yep. So my acquisition manager in Utah has been with me longer than everybody. Uh, he's been with me almost three years now. And you know, I fell in love with coaching and that's where I want to spend the majority of my time. And so I've structured it to where he has a, a portion of the pie. Uh, he doesn't own any of the company, but he does get a profit share. Um, and I have it based off of total revenue. And, and it's the more, the more the company makes, the more he makes. So he's incentivized to grow the company. So he gets his base commissions that, uh, the, that I pay my acquisition managers. So he does all of the acquisitions and all of the dispositions here in Utah. What that means, he, ne he negotiates and services all the leads that come into our company, gets all the contracts, and then finds a buyer for them. And he gets a commission on both sides of those. But he's the um, one talking to the sellers, negotiating, getting it under contract. Yeah, so I had gone. The appointments or doing it over the phone? Uh, he goes on appointments. He does some over the phone, but you know, you can do both, but I'm a big believer in going and building a relationship, especially in competitive markets like Utah, because you know, if, if you're competing on a deal and the seller's brother that he loves is going to pay the same amount you're going to pay, you know, the brother's going to get the deal. People want to do business with people they like and you, and they trust. And so if you are there in person building trusts and, you know, building a relationship with people and your offers are similar to the other offers, they're going to work with you. So that's kind of why we do that. So he does acquisitions, dispositions here in Utah. Um, but because of his profit share, he's also responsible for training and recruiting cold callers. He does a little bit of that with them and sits in and does the trainings there. He's also responsible for the other acquisition manager in Tampa for training him, coaching him, working through deals with him and keeping track of all the deals, all the revenue. Uh, I, I honestly, I have no idea how many deals I have under contract right now. I, I don't even know. I don't need to know because that's his responsibility. I look at my KPIs what our outputs were, what our inputs are. And I look at my financials with my accountant. And that's about all I have to do with the company now because of- How did you find this guy? 
he's a major outdoorsman like I am. And uh, we kind of grew up in the same neighborhood. His dad is a a doctor and just a really, you know, really well off family, really great people. And I knew their family and he has a brother to my age, but he's like five or six years younger than me. So I didn't really know him growing up, but he followed me on social media and I was posting pictures of big fish. So being outdoorsman, we, we enjoyed that. And, and then I started posting about doing social media or on social media about doing real estate and like what I was doing. And I did that because one of my mentors taught me that one of the best ways to recruit and grow a team is to share your successes and share the things you learn, you know, not, not to be egotistical or to be, you know, not to be flashy, but to share and add value to other people, right? Not to be narcissistic, but to, to post things that could serve and help other people grow. And you might attract people in your company that, that want to help you accomplish your goals. And so I remember he actually messaged me, he said, Hey, what's this real estate shindig all about? And that's kind of how it all started. So <laughs> it was just a social media post that I posted and he asked me about it. And I have a picture of him actually, before I had my nice office space here, he was in my basement. I've got a picture of my little boy. He's like four at the time hiding underneath the, his desk in my spare bedroom. And he's like cold calling there. So, you know, he's been with me pretty much from the start, cold calling, doing whatever I needed him to do. How did you find your acquisitions manager in Florida? Yeah. So uh, his name is Brandon Harvey. You can actually see his success story on my YouTube channel, but he was a student of mine and he quickly had a lot of success and just my kind of guy just really clicked with him. And he he's really good at building relationships with people. And I really think that's the main part of acquisitions. And when I started this idea of the 40 day challenge, I, you know, started reaching out to some people that I knew that were doing deals and said, do you want to be my acquisition manager when I leave? And I, and I reached out to a couple of people and a lot of people wanted to grow their own companies and be completely in charge of what they were doing. But Brendan saw the value and decided that he wanted to be a part of our team instead of doing it on his own. Cool. All right. So let's let's dive deep into the details of how you got these deals under contract. You've been doing deals a long time. You've done a lot of different kinds of marketing. Your favorite is driving for dollars and cold calling. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. All right. So you went down to Tampa. What'd you do? First thing? Uh, yeah. The Well, you know, before I went down, the only thing that I did is I made sure that I was legal. I got my purchase contracts and talked to an attorney. Make How did sure you get your purchase contracts? Yeah, so I have a purchase contract that I use here in Utah, but I got it from a real estate attorney that understands real estate wholesaling, right? So I went and found an attorney in, in Tampa area that understood real estate wholesaling. And I found him through just finding out who the wholesalers were in that market, just from Facebook groups and that kind of stuff. And then I reached out to them and who they suggested. Good. Once I found that Why attorney- Why did you just use one of their contracts? Because I'd already paid a thousand bucks to have a contract built. Right. I just wanted them to review it and to make sure the contract worked. Oh, and so, so, you, like, oh, so you sent your contract that you're in Utah to the Florida attorney asking him to review it or her. Yeah. I said, is this attorney fine? And, and, you know, and that's what I suggest to my students and anyone listening in, you know, if you need a purchase contract, you can get them for free. There's a lot of people who give them away. I don't because I'm not an attorney. I don't want to open myself up to those kind of issues. Um, but make sure you have an attorney review it for your state. Yeah. So, I mean, I had a couple different contracts and I had some issues with certain certain sellers and it's it evolved into what we have and I like it. So that's what we use. All right. So you started, you found a good contract yep. and uh, you probably just started asking around and, and did you find the, figure out a title company? 
before you actually yeah, i mean I, I knew of some um okay. you know i knew of some we ended up like that title company ended up being a nightmare and even through the challenges like oh crap this title company is not going to work out and so we've actually since found a different title company because we're still doing deals down there that's so normal guys <laughs> so normally right yeah it, so it, and every deal is completely different yeah. if you're wanting to get into a business that doesn't have any challenges where everything <laughs> is super easy and always the same <laughs> Like go do something else, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I've That's... had so many like attorneys or hard money lenders or title companies or you know people in the industry who have said this guy's awesome, this attorney, this and property management company is amazing, this contractor is amazing, and you just have a totally different experience with them. So it's just yeah. goes with the territory. Is my point? <laughs> yeah, and if you guys are in Utah or in Tampa area, reach out to me. You know, I'm happy to share my contacts for who I found for attorneys, who I found for title companies. I'm happy to share. Yeah, none, none of that's a secret. I mean, they they take care of me. They they add a lot of value to my my business, and so yeah. I'm happy to refer people to them. So, we've now found a new title company. We've been trying out a couple transactions. They've been really good so far, but you know that might change. So here in Utah, we've gone through three three different title companies. We absolutely love our title company and our our um, our officer that helps us there. So yeah, cool. So. You had a contract, you you had some resources there. Did you go out and try to find buyers first or did you try to find sellers first? Yeah, so I'm, uh, you can build buyers and I'm 100% a believer, find buyers first. A lot of people disagree with that or say the opposite. You know, since I had 40 days, I had to do it simultaneously. Right. And so the way I built my cash buyers list here in Utah, I had networked and gone to the auctions steps and I had gone to the RIA groups and I'd done whatever I could to build a couple hundred cash buyers. And it was big enough that I did a couple deals off of it. Right. So that's one way to do it. But I had this idea when I was here to network with other other wholesalers and try and trade lists. And I was working with wholesaling or not wholesaling Inc, but with uh, one of the wholesaling Inc owners, Cody Hoffine. I was, I was an acquisition manager for him part-time and uh, Mark Stubler for their company was Utah Sale Now. I know, I think it's Joe Home Buyers Now. But anyways, when I was working for them, I was like, well, would you guys trade your cash buyers list with other people if I could broker that trade? And they said, yes. And so I started taking other wholesalers out to lunch and trading cash buyers lists. Now I have a couple thousand cash buyers, I think four or 5,000 cash buyers here in Utah. So that was my plan. As soon as I landed in Florida, I'd start trading, start networking. And that's exactly what I did. By the time I got home, I have a, I had a, or I still have 11,000 cash buyers between Orlando, Tampa, south of Tampa to Bradenton, up north towards Brooksville. Yeah, so I have a huge cash buyers list just by trading cash buyers. And I was doing that while I was there. And, and here, you know, buyers are easy. Buyers are easy to find. Mariah, is this Tampa, Florida? Yes, it is. There is not a Tampa in Utah, as far as I know. That would be weird. Tampa, Utah. And how can we reach you, Zach? We'll give you everybody Zach's info at the end here. Cool. Yep. All right. So um, you already had some, you had some buyers or you knew, okay, I can get buyers easily. If I got a good deal, I'm going to find the buyers. If you can't find the buyers, you can at least find another wholesaler to partner with, right? And, and exactly. on, the, on the deal. And that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, worst case scenario, I'll just find someone that has a cash buyers list and give them a percentage of the deal. Yeah. And you know what? There's nothing better. There's not, you can find a ton of buyers just by cold calling, right? Because you, you'll be finding people that are actually buying houses themselves and you can find buyers by cold calling. All right. So did you go into this knowing, all right, I'm just going to do driving for dollars. Is that what you wanted to do when you came there? 100%. I believe okay. it's the best and fastest way to build to build a list of sellers it's the most profitable list it's you know when you have a tight budget it's the best way to start and honestly i think it's the best way to scale a, a wholesaling business too i mean that's that's where we're pulling the majority of all of our revenue and still here in utah okay so what did you do you 
First thing the next day, did you go driving for dollars? Yeah, the very first day. I mean, that was the first thing I did when I woke up. You know, as you can see on day one is I focused on building my cash buyers list or not, sorry, not building my cash buyers list, but building my marketing list, doing driving for dollars. So I got the deal machine app and just started driving through neighborhoods. And I honestly didn't know where to drive. I didn't do enough prep work before I went to like figure out what hot zip codes were. You know, the way I did it is I just went to Google maps and went to the Google, Google image. Right. And didn't go all the way down to street level, but I, but I zoomed down far enough where you can see like the nicer neighborhoods, you know, you can see the newer developments, the newer, nicer areas. And I'd be like, okay, those are not it. And I would look for the older areas, places they had like trucks parked in weird places on their grass and like garbage and old green pools, whatever I could find, you know, neighborhoods that looked like there was probably older homes. And then once I did that and kind of identified those areas, then I went to Zillow and figured out what, what the, the average price was per house within those nice neighborhoods versus those other eight neighborhoods. So I found in like the nicer neighborhoods, you know, houses were worth on, according to Zillow, anywhere between 350 to 550. And on the lower end areas that I could find, you know, Zillow was showing 100 to 150. All right. Looking back, would you have done that differently? Would you have spent more time figuring no. out the better zip codes to drive in? No, I was perfect because like I first, I was like, okay, I'm going to start with the lowest end areas first. And so the first day and a half, I drove and added a couple, I don't know, five, four or 500 addresses in those lower end neighborhoods. And I started cold calling. two days, four or 500 addresses. Yeah, I added 5,000 addresses in like four weeks. Good for you. Yeah, so it was, it was quite a few, right? Wait, wait, but, say that again? Yeah, I added, added like, it was actually a little over 5,000 addresses in the time I was there. So in about 25 days. Okay, 5,000, that's driving for dollars addresses, is that right? Yeah, that's driving for dollars addresses, me driving all by myself, and I was cold calling, and I put in that amount of time I was there. Let me go to my KPIs. I pulled those up because I put together a KPI sheet so I could have those numbers for you, but I dialed nine, a little over 90 hours as well. And I was right, still so coaching guys, and running my wholesaling business. You so. guys listening to this right now, you're like, oh, this doesn't work. All right. And I've tried driving for dollars. It doesn't work. How many houses have you put onto your driving for dollars database? Oh, <laughs> How many hours have you spent cold calling? How much follow-up have you done? How many offers have you made? Guys, it's not that complicated. It's a numbers game. And you want to get the results that Zach got. You got to put in the effort that Zach put in. Yeah, it was oh exhausting. My, my back hurts so bad. Yeah, my back hurts so bad from sitting in the car because I bought this. I bought this car because I know renting a car. You know, I'm I like my money, right? I feel like I'm a steward of my money. It's not my money, so I hate spending it. And uh, so I actually bought a car. I bought this little Ford Fusion. I bought it at a discount to sell it for a profit when I got done. <laughs> but um, and did you? Yeah, um, but. But this, you know, this car, it did so uncomfortable. I hated the seat. And you um, just rented a car, Zach. I could have just rented a car. It would have been a lot nicer. You should have. (laughs) All right. Um, You got over 5,000 addresses from driving for dollars and you made Mm -hmm. over 90 hours of cold calling. And by the way, I'm seeing the comments here. Yeah, listen to this. Scott says, I watched all the videos. Dude was tired every night. <laughs> Not was only tired. was he tired, he was missing his family. That was the hardest part, Joe. It was so oh, hard God. to be without my family. That was so long. That was the longest I've ever been without him. Like, it's funny. I'm a big time outdoorsman. Like, I love adventure. You know, I'll go two, three days. And then after two, three days of like my, you know, going to some paradise somewhere, I'm already just want to go home. So 30 days without my family. Yeah, it was just brutal. I couldn't have done it. it would, you know, I, I can see myself saying, oh, yeah, that'd be fun. It'll be easy. I can do that. Now, 
Uh, all right, so I want to get down to the technical details, the nitty-gritty stuff here. First day, you go driving for dollars for a couple, three, four hours. You get a few hundred homes. Talk about, explain, well, everybody pretty much, I think, here knows what driving for dollars is. You go around looking for houses that are neglected. They need some TLC. The grass is grown. The, you know, it just looks like it needs some attention. Take a picture of it. You add it to your database inside of Deal Machine. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily take a picture of it, do you? You just kind of flag it? Yeah. So deal machine back in the day, we didn't use, used to use deal machine because you used to have to take a picture of the house to right. add it to your sheet. Right. And that, that took forever. It was horrible. You know, I want to be adding a hundred properties every single hour of driving. I want more than one a minute. Yeah. Right. And for that to happen, I have to be going along and see like three houses, you know, within my, you know, view and just go tap, tap, tap. And they're all at it, yep. right? I mean, seconds. And so Deal Machine Sense added two more features. They call it the tap to add and the pin mode. Yeah. Right. And we use tap to add. I don't even know what pin mode is, to be honest. But we use tap to where, add. Like the, 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 the map follows you or something like that. You always stay in the center of it. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So they one of the newer newer updates as well. One of the, So like there was, there was two requirements because Deal Machine approached me back in 2018 and asked me to promote their stuff. I spoke at an event that you spoke at actually in Asheville, yeah. North Carolina. And I loved, uh, that's when I actually met you. Yeah. And I, I loved what you taught. I loved your, your lease option systems. I'd never learned about sleep, uh, sandwich lease options. I had done lease options for tenants, but I had never like assigned lease options and learned that kind yeah. of stuff. Amazing yeah. stuff. But anyway, so yeah. tangent, I love that. But um, at that event, I met David Lecco mm -hmm. and Josh, um, some of the owners of the company. And they, they wanted me to promote it. And the two requirements was tap dad. I couldn't take pictures because it was killing the efficiency because I've tried the I've I've split tested postcards of pictures of the house and not pictures of the house. And I got a higher response rates with pictures of the house. But all that meant is I got more FUs, mm -hmm. right? More pound sands. But my conversions were no different. Right. And so it was just more expensive for the same amount of revenue. And it took way longer to add properties. So it was very inefficient. So one of my requirements was tap to add. And the other one is I wanted a route tracking software put in. And so now they have this system where you can hit start drive. And if you watch the 40 day challenge, you'll see my screen where it's all highlighted in blue, all the streets that I had driven down. And I could just kind of scroll in and find what pockets I've missed or what pockets I hit. And then I could be like, okay, let's, you know, I haven't hit this outskirt above a Brandon, right? It's one of the main markets I drove. And so I know right where to drive because I'd seen it, uh -huh. you know, and the thing is when you're going hundred miles an hour and you're driving and your, your wife's driving and your brother's driving to help you out, you know, you got to stay organized. So, so that was so awesome. And the other part is, is we redrive our entire market every six months. Yeah, that's and huge. People don't realize that's important, but it is. Yeah. And so the cool thing about that, the route tracking is that at different time intervals, those colors change. So if you've driven it eight months ago, nine months ago, it'll be a different color than the ones you just drove. So, you know, it needs to be redriven again. So it's it's pretty awesome. Like that that technology makes what I do way better because I started this way back before they had those technologies. You know, I mean, I was I was looking stuff up on county records and I was I was using I paid a company to put together a software to put a pin on the on. It was called Google, Google Fusion Tables or whatever um, to drop pins on the map of where we've already been. So we kind of know where not to drive. Very inefficient compared to what it is now. Okay. So you drive for dollars looking for houses that need some TLC. Maybe the shingles are missing, junk in the yard, just doesn't look like it's being taken care of. You you add into the app, you know, in a day's worth of driving, you get 50 to 100 properties maybe. Then what do you do with them? So, you know, there I was in a time crunch. 
I need, I couldn't send postcards, wait four or five days for them to hit the mailbox and then wait a couple days for them to call me back and then wait a couple days to get the appointment, then go build the relationship and then go the back and forth and get the contracts. I'd be day 20 by the time I'm getting contracts. Right. And so I needed, and plus it's a little more expensive, right? I had to use my time and not my dollar bills. And so here in Utah, my most profitable is actually postcards. You know, I get more revenue off postcards than anything. I do make money off texting. And I know a lot of people like ringless voicemails. I haven't had a lot of luck with it, but I love cold calling. And the funny thing is cold calling is not my most profitable strategy for my list, but it's the most proactive way. It's the fastest ways to, to leads. And one of the hard parts of cold calling is hiring people out to do it for you because they don't care about it as much as you. Like it, it's, there's a lot of turnover with it. I've tried these outs, outsourcing it to, to different companies outside the US and it just has never been very good, but I'm, I love it. I remember the first 11 minutes I cold called, uh, Linda answered the phone, went and got the contract that day and made nine grand. First 11 minutes cold calling ever. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I like cold calling, right? So when I cold call, I'm really good at it. I love it. And so I knew that when I did the 40-day challenge, that that's what I was going to do. It's going to be the most most efficient way and the fastest way to get contracts. And so that's why I chose it. But you can make money. It doesn't matter what you do. Just as long as you build a decent list and reach out and see if they want to sell, you're going to get people that will tell you they want to sell. Isn't that crazy, though? Postcards, they still work. And they work really, really well. They still work. Yeah. All right. So... um you get them home. I mean, you you go back. Were you in a Airbnb? Yeah. All right. I looked at buying a house and then selling it or whatever. So you, you download all of these leads yep. and you start cold calling them. What mm -hmm. tool did you use to skip trace and what tool did you use to cold call? Yep. So I use batch, uh, batch skip tracing and, you know, they're a little more expensive. I don't know if Joe has a discount code for a good price. Do you have one, Joe? No, go ahead and give yours. Okay. So discount code is DFD for like driving for dollars, DFD. You'll get like four cents off a number or something like that. Pretty good discount. But, you know, that's a price I pay. So there you go. Hook you up. And then, so I use that for skip tracing. And then I know Batch Batch has just come out. It's called Batch Dialer. They just come out and we're just testing it now. And it's actually a lot cheaper than Mojo sells. So I use Mojo while I was there. It's just a platform I knew. It's what I what we're currently using, but we're testing Batch Dialer. Some of the issues that I'm currently having with Mojo, just, just educational for you guys. I want to add as much value as I can here. Some of the issues that I have with Mojo is their analytics. Like, they're, like it shows how many hours you dialed. It's very inaccurate, which is really frustrating when you're trying to manage a team or when you're trying to look at your own numbers. <laughs> it's kind of a pain to connect with a CRM and those kinds of things as well. It's not the best tech in my opinion, but that's what I used is, is mojosells.com. And, but yeah, batch, batch dialer has one that's like half the price now. Yeah. Very interesting. I, I've, we use Mojo and we've been looking at different dialers and there's just so many good tools coming out these days. Yep. No, tech right. is, tech is just, it's funny how, and you know, I haven't been in this business very long. You've been in much longer than me. And I'm, like how much technology advancements have we had in this space in just the last three years, four years, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. So you cold call, uh, you skip trace maybe for each, excuse me, on average, how many phone numbers would you get for each address that you got? So I think we'd, we'd pull as many as like five or anywhere between three and like seven phone numbers. But, you know, I'm just trying to get a hold of people. So I only had four numbers. Yeah, I'd get rid of the the worst of or take the four best, four highest quality numbers that would come with it. And that's what I would upload. All right. And you would call them and say what? 
I'd say, hey, here, let me think of my script. Hold on. <laughs> Caught me off guard. <laughs> All right, so I'd say, hey, I'm, I'm not sure if I have the right number. I'm trying to get a hold of the property owner. The, the address is XYZ. And then, I, and then I'd go quiet, right? And listen. And a lot of the times they would say, uh, what is this regards to? And I would say, yeah, it's a little out of the blue. I was just wondering if you thought of selling or if you'd consider an offer, right? And I like that approach more so than going, hey, is Gary available? You know, because you come across as a salesman, you're chasing Gary, trying to buy his house, right? But when you, when, you, when you say, I might have the wrong number, I'm trying to find the owner of this address, there's not a salesman in the world that has that script. And so you get a lot more like interested, actually want to know what's going on, way less hangups. You at least get to get your pitch out of why you're calling them. Can you say that again so people in case they missed it? Yeah. Yeah. So I say, I'm not sure. So first of all, I just want to say this. Don't tell them what company you're with. Don't tell them what your name is. They don't care. Nobody cares. They want to know why you're calling them. Right. So, so just say, Hey, I'm not sure if I have the right number. Right. Cause you're kind of already starting hesitant, right? You're not chasing right? Yeah. You're starting hesitant. I'm not sure if I have the right number. I was wondering, or I was not sure if I have the right number. I was wondering if you were the owner of the property XYZ address, right? And then just listen, right? And they might say, what's this regards to? They might say, it depends on who's asking. You say, and then you basically say, yeah, again, I know it's out of the blue. I was just wondering if you thought of selling or if you'd consider an offer. Sometimes they'll say, oh, it's my daughter. Oh, it's my brother. Oh, I don't own it. No, it's not me. Yes, I do. I don't want to sell it. But yeah, usually you can get a lot better conversations out of people because they don't. it doesn't come across like you're selling anything. You're just trying to get a hold of the owner and you you actually know about the address and you're curious about buying it. You just seem like a normal person. It's not Did you ever tell them you were driving by and you noticed you saw their house needed some updating? And care? Only if they ask, yeah. right? So I believe that salesmen oversell all the time. Yeah. Right. So like what that means to oversell something, let's say, let's say there's a commission commissioned sales rep at a store and someone picks up a flat screen TV and they go to pay and this, this salesman's going to get 50 bucks. Right. So he's all excited and he's all hyped up and he starts telling them all the cool things about the TV at checkout. And then they're like, oh, well, this TV doesn't have that. I th- oh, I want the one that has this. Do you guys have that one here? No, we don't. It's like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else. They give the TV back and walk out without making the purchase. The sale was already there. Right. I've learned that the less you say, the better off you are. For example, when they say, you know, the only time I'll tell them that I drove by, it's like, yeah, why do you want to buy my house? Right. They say something like that. So like, yeah, I was just driving by the neighborhood and saw the house and it fit the criteria of what I was looking for. Do you have any interest in selling your property? So what I did there is I addressed their question, right? Because every question you need to understand that comes from a seller or a potential seller is an objection. They're pulling away, right? And so when someone asks that question or asks any question, you respond politely and to the point and immediately fire back with a question because the person that's in control of the conversation is not the one explaining and pitching and speaking. It's the person asking the questions and directing the conversation. That's who's in control of the conversation. So if you don't immediately fire back with a question after you respond to a question, you're going to lose lose control of that conversation. They're going to ask you a million questions and then they're going to hang up and you're not going to know if they're interested or not, right? You're not going to pre-qualify them in any way. So, yeah, very good. All right. So they, they're interested in selling. What do you do? What did you do then? Did you schedule an appointment or did you try to get a number out of them first? More than anything, I'm trying to get the why. What's your situation, right? So you'll, so on day four, you hear me call Jerry where I got the three contracts, right? Called him in the morning and you know, I'm talking to him about the properties, what's the condition, trying to figure out what's going on. And I said, Jerry, they sound like they're in really good condition. You remodeled them. Why don't you just list them? You might make more money. It's my favorite question, 
right? I, I talk about their options they have. They know they're not stupid. A lot of people are afraid to ask those questions. They're like, oh, I'm going to miss out on a deal. But I try and figure out their why. And, and getting to their why is way easier when you give them the options, you talk about their options. And he said, I don't care. I just want to be done. I don't care about the money. Basically, that's exactly what he said, right? When I hung up the phone on the channel or on the 40-day challenge, I said, do you guys hear that, right? We're trying to find someone that wants speed and convenience. We're trying to find someone that wants a pawn shop for their house. Yeah. Right. We're not finding that person that wants full retail. Right. So I first start with condition and then I and then I talk about options. OK, well, why don't you just it sounds like it needs a lot of work. You inherited the property. You might make more money if you put some money into it and sell it with an agent. Yeah. I don't want to deal with fixing it up. I don't want to deal with it. OK, you'd rather sell it as is in current condition to an investor like myself. Yes, that's what I want. I go I go on the appointment. I don't care what they want. I've I've negotiated contracts down hundreds of thousands of dollars below what they asked because I've set expectations. I showed them comps. I've said, look, this is going to be our range. You might make more elsewhere, but we can have it done at this price. And they say, okay. Yeah. I love that. You're just being honest, transparent. You're a truth seeker and a truth giver, Yep. right? You're giving truth and you're seeking it. Good. We need to hurry up and wrap this up here. So if there was some desperate, I mean, not desperate, but if there was motivation, you would, would you still kind of throw out a price just to make sure you're in the ballpark before you go on the appointment? Uh, no, not normally. I would try and get a number out of them, but I would never give a number because I think that it puts up roadblocks and it puts up barriers. If they'll tell me a number over the phone, then I'll then I'll go with it. But if they're like, well, what's your offer? I say, well, it depends largely on the condition. I'd love to get you an official offer. I don't want to say something and have you be disappointed when the number is much lower than that. Right. Can I meet with you and, and see if we can hash something out? But so if I can get Florida, did you ever make an offer over the phone and get a property under contract from the phone? No, did I didn't always go to the house. I always went to the house. So Jerry gave me a number for fifty five thousand a property. When I showed up, his wife was pissed. She wanted eighty thousand a property. <laughs> and so that's why you go on appointments, right? Because yeah. the wife wasn't going to sign. So if I had sent the contracts at fifty five, what Jerry said over the phone is her wife wouldn't have, his wife wouldn't have signed. I wouldn't have got the contracts. Yeah you know, dead deal, they have my number, I would have been chasing them to the end of eternity, right? So instead of saying 100%, I can do your 55, I went and met with them in person, built a relationship with both decision makers, and we ended up settling at 60, right? Which was still very profitable. So, yeah. Very cool. All right, so um, you'd get the contract signed in person, typically then, you would go and, yeah. Probably, probably 80% of our contracts are signed in person. I love it, super simple. You're always gonna close more deals when you go meet with them in person. Yep. Um, and if you don't want to do it, then get somebody who does like Zach's done with these two acquisition managers. And I want to be clear, you don't have to be in person. My first wholesale deal I ever did, I never met the sellers. They were out of state and gone. I had to use whole, I didn't even know how to use DocuSign back then. I was terrified. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I made 10 grand, so it can be done. But I'm just saying it's, it's more effective and you get bigger deals and you get more of the deals and you beat out your competition when you go meet with people. Yeah. Very good. All right. We got to wrap it up. I'm up against the deadline here and I'm already late. But Zach, I so appreciate you being on the podcast. I think people have gotten a lot of value out of this. It's simple to take massive action, massive, imperfect action, right? If you want the deals, you got to put in the work. And it's for Zach, it was just simply getting in the car, driving for dollars and then making a lot of phone calls. Yeah. It's as simple as that, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. And where, they can go to YouTube and find all these videos, right? 100%. Yep. What, what channel do they go to? Uh, it's uh, DFD Mastery. So you just click that in YouTube, DFD Mastery, you can pull it up. There, there's also another way you can find it on my website. Go to dfdmastery.com and click cool. on social media and you can find all my social media links there. 
So there, I just put the links on YouTube. It's DFD, the channel is called DFD Mastery. They might be able to find it if they just look up your name too, Zach Booth, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you go to DFD, that stands for Driving for Dollars, mastery.com. Cool. I hope you guys enjoy the content. Yeah, this is really awesome. It's been super helpful, Zach. Have fun in Alaska, man. I will. I'm excited. It's going to be a good Going time. Up there for 10 days. I'm jealous. Yeah. While I'm looking at it's St. Louis. It was really warm the other day. I was playing golf the other day, and there are huge snowflakes right now falling in St. Louis. So <laughs> um, hopefully you have uh, pretty nice weather up there, even though it's going to be in the uh, late spring. All right. We'll see you, Zach. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you.